0: Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Greetings, everyone. I'm Vicki Veseliga, Director of the section of the Clinical Specialists and Scientists section here at ASHP, and thanks for joining. I'm excited to share with you that today's episode is a curated feature from the exceptional programming from the 2020 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Please enjoy the voices of your colleagues as they share the latest clinical information, best practices, and leadership advice at the world's largest gathering of pharmacists. As I mentioned, the Healthy People initiatives are developed by the United States Department of Health and Human Services as a set of data driven national objectives to improve the health and well being for United States citizens over a 10 year time span. The Healthy People 2020 initiative was the fourth iteration. We're currently entering the fifth iteration with Healthy People 2030. The Healthy People initiatives set certain objectives for improving healthcare among citizens of the United States. So for the last 10 years, if we look specifically at some of the objectives related to immunizations, we can see that there's a variety of different goals and objectives that we've been working to improve. Some of these are larger, more overarching goals, such as decreasing vaccine preventable diseases. Others are more specific goals that are set for specific vaccines and certain age groups, such as those aged 19 to 35 months, kindergarten and adolescents where routine childhood vaccines are commonly given. Additionally, there's other objectives for certain vaccines for adult immunizations, such as increasing the rate for common adult vaccines that we think of, such as influenza, pneumococcal, and herpes zoster. I'd like to point out that in an effort to improve Healthy People 2020 rates, the Health and Human Services Department has established a national vaccine plan and a national adult immunization plan that focuses specifically on improvements in infrastructure, access, demand, and innovation to help meet these goals. One area that we'd like to report on is some of the snapshots of progress that have been made with the Healthy People 2020 initiatives. Some progress data is available for these goals. However, for many of them, the jury is still out on the progress that has been made and the success that we've seen through some of these objectives. The first one I'd like to discuss, however, is progress related to MMR vaccinations. If you recall, MMR is dosed in a two-dose series with the first dose being given at 12 to 15 months of age and the second dose being given at four to six years of age. At baseline in 2012, approximately 90% of 19 to 35 month-year-old children received at least one dose of MMR vaccine. So as you can tell with the most recent progress snapshot, as of 2018, we were doing a relatively good job of maintaining this current goal. However, as we move on to immunizations that are a little more complex in their scheduling, such as the schedule for the four dose immunization series of our pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, PCB13, these numbers decrease quite dramatically. And if you recall, PCV is given in four doses at two, four, six months of age, and then the fourth dose given at 12 to 15 months of age. Of course, with the increase on in complexity, we would expect that immunization rates for this type of vaccine would decrease. And at baseline, approximately 82% had received at least four doses. So still some work, to go to achieve that goal of 90%. However, what I also wanna point out with this slide is that here's where we start to see some of the disparities that exist with immunization rates, particularly when we look at race and ethnicity. And on the next slide, as we look at family income level as a percentage of poverty level. Certainly we have a long ways to go to overcome these disparities and to decrease some of the barriers with immunizations in children as well as adults, which we've already pointed out. Also there's snapshots for progress for HPV immunizations. So at baseline in 2016, about 45% of females aged 13 to 15 actually received the recommended number of appropriately spaced doses For the HPV vaccine and you can see here the numbers are very well below the target of 80 percent so significant work that needs to be done for this vaccine as well this also points out some of the particular challenges that we see with new vaccines and sometimes controversial vaccines and their uptake among the public and I think this is what Dr. Watkins will also address as we talk about COVID-19 vaccine, which is one of those new and somewhat controversial vaccines. Finally, I'm always a little bit astounded by these numbers as we take a look here at influenza vaccine and the data regarding influenza vaccination rates across the country. At baseline in 2010-2011, approximately 30 2% of non-institutionalized adults aged 18 to 64 years of age had been immunized against influenza. Data from the 2018-2019 season indicated that that number had increased up to about 45%. Now, as you can see here, based on this slide, our goal for influenza vaccination is approximately 70%. So, fortunately, our older adults pick up the slack for us a little bit in this area because immunization rates among adults 65 years in age and older is at least achieving goal, but certainly for influenza vaccination, we have a long ways to go in order to help meet this need. And this is particularly true during the time of the COVID-19 pandemic when it's especially important for everyone to be immunized against respiratory illnesses. As we look ahead and have discussed some of the progress regarding the 2020 initiatives, 2030 is on the horizon. Actually, not too far away if you think about it in terms of how quickly the last 10 years have gone by um, in meeting our Healthy People 2020 goals. This slide, although a little bit challenging to read, simply points out the timeline for Healthy People 2030 particularly as it relates to our immunization objectives. So within the next couple of years, we expect to see the reports come out for Healthy People 2020, the objectives finalized for Healthy People 2030, and then data collection will begin on determining our progress in meeting these goals as we approach the next decade. So as we look at the Healthy People 2030 forecast, I want to point out again that these are objectives for immunizations that will be important to improving public health initiatives over the next 10 years. And I point out too that these are baseline only and simply what that means is that data beyond initial baseline data is not available. So we certainly don't know if progress has been made in these areas, but as we Collect the data available from the last five years and look forward to these objectives. These will be what will be implemented so that we can determine the progress that's being made. As you can see, some of these pertain to the previous slides that we discussed earlier, such as maintaining some of the current immunization rates, such as with MMR, and also looking at DTAP vaccine, and in particular, looking at DTaP in pregnant patients, as well as improving HPV vaccination rates and improving seasonal influenza. Additionally, there's some developmental objectives that Healthy People 2030 will be looking at. These represent high priority public health issues associated with evidence-based interventions, but are those which we don't yet have baseline data. So certainly these will be important public health efforts that will be looking at the progress in determining where we're currently at and where we're going in terms of making progress in these areas. So now that we reviewed the Healthy People Initiatives, I'd like to discuss how do we get there? Certainly these are lofty goals for all of us and in regardless of practice setting, are something that we should be looking towards, improving our immunization rates as a major public health initiative. First off, it's important to identify some of the barriers that are associated with receiving immunizations. And I think particularly during a pandemic era, these barriers are definitely amplified. First off, lack of knowledge and awareness regarding immunizations is very important, particularly among adult populations. I think we all expect and know that among pediatric populations where children are getting well child visits every few weeks to months to even yearly during the first few years of life, it's easy to identify them as a captive audience and to make sure they're up to date and are receiving their scheduled childhood immunizations. Additionally, there's incentive because most schools require that children are up to date on their vaccination records in order to attend schools. Whereas when we look at adult populations, with the exception of a few vaccines where employers may require they be given, there are no specific mandates for those vaccines. And so among healthy adults, they may not believe that immunizations are necessary or may be delaying annual exams when they're otherwise healthy and when immunizations are an opportune time to be given. Additionally, our immunizations have done a very good job at doing what they're designed to do, and that's preventing vaccine-preventable illness. And so because of that, even compared to 40 to 50 or 60 years ago, we don't see outbreaks of disease like we once did. And so patients may not recognize or have an awareness of how serious these vaccine preventable illnesses are and thus not perceive a need to actually be immunized against them. Finally, studies have also shown that immunization guideline used by even healthcare professionals such as physicians is only about 60 percent. So decreasing missed opportunities, improving education among staff and other healthcare professionals improving screening rates, and ensuring that there's time to educate patients about vaccines is all important in improving knowledge and awareness. There's also fears and oppositions to vaccines among the public. There is a certain patients do have a genuine fear of needles. So this is an area of innovation, certainly where we can look at providing needleless vaccines, which I know that there's um, some research and development into this. Additionally, there's also concern regarding side effects of immunizations, such as the perception that vaccines cause illness or the perception that certain side effects such as autism are real with vaccines. Additionally, patients get mixed messages and incorrect information, social media, Word of mouth, all of these are areas where patients learn vaccine information, which may not be true, and in turn develop an opposition to vaccines and are less likely to receive them. Finally, some patients do have objections for religious beliefs or personal rights as well to receiving vaccines. I currently practice in a federally qualified health center clinic, and so accessibility is always something we're concerned about and barriers we are trying to overcome almost on a daily basis with improving immunization rates within our clinic. Particularly cost, convenience, and issues with transportation are some of the challenges that we face and may be faced in other underserved populations as well. Finally, there's a number of systemic and operational obstacles that may be overcome, that must be overcome, such as indirect and direct costs associated with vaccines, as well as waste of vaccines, which can be an issue. Finally or next, when patients are ready to receive vaccines, we've had some challenge with vaccine shortages, where that presents a challenge as patients, if they're willing and willing at the time to receive a vaccine and there's a vaccine shortage and we're unable to give it to them, obviously poses certain problems. Additionally, storage is a concern with certain vaccines, particularly among the live vaccines, but also as Dr. Watkins will discuss with some of the COVID-19 vaccines that are coming on to, that are in development that will need to overcome as there's widespread distribution. And finally, lack of Adequate immunization records make it necessary to rely on patient reporting, which can potentially be inaccurate and result in incomplete immunizations or over immunizations in certain patients. So next up, we'll talk about overcoming some of these challenges. So how do we get there? I'm sure as I have went along, you've probably been able to identify with or brainstorm some of the barriers you're currently seeing in your community or your health system. And so now I'd like to present some recommendations or system improvements that can be implemented that are unique and measurable that you might consider implementing within your own practices. So first up in terms of improving knowledge and awareness, I'd like to point out that there's strength in numbers. Certainly education programs not just among those who are going to be administering immunizations but among your entire clinic staff can be helpful to ensure that everyone is on the same page in terms of recommending and scheduling patients for immunizations that they may be eligible to receive. It's been shown that a simple recommendation from a healthcare professional for a vaccine has been observed to be a strong predictor of patient compliance with immunizations. So making sure that we give our healthcare providers the opportunity to do so can improve immunization rates significantly. Additionally, it's important to educate patients at every opportunity to help them with the facts and to respectfully dispel the myths. In our clinic here a couple of years ago, we implemented an HPV initiative to improve our somewhat abysmal HPV immunization rates within the clinic. One of the strategies that we utilized was a clinic-wide effort of education of all staff. Additionally, from our front desk staff to our nursing staff to our healthcare providers, everyone was educated on providing the same message to patients about the importance of the HPV immunization. Additionally, we changed the message that we were giving to our adolescent patients and their parents about the importance of this vaccine. So sometimes something as simple as changing the phrasing of the message you're delivering, such as talking about HPV as a cancer prevention immunization, is enough to help improve uptake and acceptability. Additionally, we also implemented very specific workflows which we'll discuss here in just a minute. We also wanna make sure that we're mitigating fear and vaccine opposition whenever we can. I like to think of immunizations as equate immunizations to smoking cessation in that, really, it's an opportunity at every clinical encounter and every healthcare visit to counsel patients on the important of, importance of vaccines. Additionally, being able to provide reputable information to patients that they can read and educate themselves about the importance of vaccines, such as the CDC's vaccine information statements, which are available in multiple languages. Improving accessibility is another important strategy that can be used to help overcome barriers. For this, again, we might have to get a little bit innovative in terms of our workflows within our clinics or the clinics that we're currently offering. And then also being aware of the resources that are available to underserved patient populations that might help improve immunization rates such as vaccine for children's program, and other programs for underserved populations. We recently implemented a drive-through flu shot clinic in our clinic. It was originally started as a pharmacy residency project and has been very successful for us in terms of improving rates of influenza, but also being able to identify patients who are eligible for other vaccines and receive them at the time they're coming through the drive-through service. One way to think about improving accessibility and to improve systemic and operational obstacles is to think about immunizations in terms of a stewardship program. Most of us commonly think of antimicrobial stewardship programs and that model can easily be applied to immunizations. And although we often think about stewardship in the inpatient setting, this can be integrated into the outpatient setting as well where in an effort to improve accessibility and opportunities for immunizations as we look at it through a systems process lens can help with vaccine immunization rates. I mentioned earlier our drive-through immunization service. Uh, Part of how we were successful in this is utilizing pre-visit planning where we actually looked at scheduled visits ahead of time, determined which vaccines patients were eligible for and then counseled on those during the time they were coming through the drive-through service. Additionally, with our HPV vaccine initiative that I mentioned, developing a workflow and identifying simple strategies that can help improve compliance may be important in your setting. We identified what we considered an aha moment where we simply took a sticky note, a post-it note and wrote aha on that sticky note and posted it on each of the computers in our exam rooms. And the purpose of that was that each time nursing staff would come in and room an adolescent patient, they would be reminded of this important immunization strategy. And AHA stands for Adolescent HPV Awareness. Finally it's important to recognize what resources are available to us for improving immunization rates. Certainly, we commonly think of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention as having a number of different resources for improving immunizations and strategies that can be utilized. As well, we've discussed today the Healthy People Initiative. There's a number of resources from the 2020 iteration And as we look ahead, Healthy People 2030 also has promotional materials, including sample social media messages, sample newsletter content, and other graphics that can be utilized to get the word out about the importance of immunizations. Additionally, they have recommendations for how Healthy People 2030 can be integrated into your organization to help you establish goals and implement change towards meeting those goals. Another thing that we have to think about is the context of all this in terms of the current COVID-19 pandemic. In terms of what we've talked about, strategies that we might be able to implement within our own practices, not only as we identify barriers and challenges within our own practices and overcoming these, but also as the COVID-19 vaccine becomes available. It's already been determined that pharmacists will play a very important role in the distribution and administration of these vaccines as we currently already do with a number of other vaccines that are already available to us. First off, are you an administrator or an advocate of vaccines? As I mentioned earlier, not all of us can be administrators within our practice, but we certainly can be advocates. If we are administrators, it's never too early to begin planning for the COVID-19 vaccine and how that workflow might look within our own pharmacy practice. Additionally, Dr. Watkins presented a lot of really great information. However, that information is rapidly changing almost on a daily basis, sometimes even hourly. So how do we reconcile those day-to-day developments with the COVID-19 vaccines? And what resources will you utilize to help self-educate and stay up-to-date on strategies to improve immunization rates within your own clinic. Certainly being able to reconcile and synthesize all of that information into something usable will be increasingly important as we go along. Some additional questions is in your own clinic or pharmacy practice, how can your workflow be modified to educate patients and other healthcare professionals? Certainly, as we look ahead, education should be starting now for some of these initiatives, if you haven't already started it. Additionally, utilizing your staff in every possible role will be important. So, identifying the roles that people within your health system can take to help improve immunization rates is very important. So, for instance, can your non-clinical staff be educated to help with scheduling, and documentation of vaccine administration. Additionally, some states have improved technicians as pharmacy immunization administrators. And so if you're in a state such as Idaho, you may be able to use technicians in this increasingly important role. If technicians are not allowed to immunize in your state, they may certainly be able to help with other important processes with improving immunization rates within your setting. Additionally, identifying areas where you can decrease missed opportunities for immunization and education is important. And we've hopefully presented you with a number of ways that you can begin educating, not only self-educating, but also your staff and other healthcare professionals in improving immunization rates and delivery. Additionally, I'd encourage you all to define your aha moment. And we talked about what that meant in terms of our HPV immunization program. But just thinking about simple aha moments and strategies that you can use to help with programs already established to help improve compliance with those programs or in those that you may develop to improve immunization rates. And then finally, as we move forward, looking at developing action plans for new Programs that you may implement in your practice, I'd like you to consider the following questions. In that plan, first of all, we need to consider why we're developing this strategy. Definitely an overarching goal or purpose for the most part is to improve public health. However, your organization may have specific metrics that you are looking to improve for specific vaccines, in which case that why may be a little bit different. Additionally, who is responsible for developing the workflow? Certainly pharmacists carry a very specific and important skill set that's ideal to help take on this task, but it may be others within your organization. Additionally, where does this plan need to be raised? There's definitely a lot of steps and layers um, that may be important to work through as you're developing your action plan For improving immunization rates or developing a new immunization delivery service within your organization. The timeline for rollout is also important simply because we need accountability measures that will help us in ensuring that the plan that we develop is actually implemented and utilized. And finally, another important strategy will be the assessment of this action plan in order to ensure that we're meeting the goals that we set out to meet in the first place. With that, we're brought to our key takeaways. We hope that today you have developed a new understanding and are able to utilize the Healthy People initiatives to inform your practice in the effort to reduce vaccine preventable diseases. Additionally, we've presented numerous strategies dealing with education, accessibility, and system improvements that can be modified to improve immunization rates, both for current vaccines and also in the fight against the COVID-19 pandemic. Finally, we'd encourage you to action plan. What step, big or small, can you take next week or even today to improve immunizations within your setting? Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official wherever you listen to your podcasts, and be sure to check back soon to hear more featurettes from the 2020 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Until then, this is Vicki Vaxlega from ASHP Official, and thank you for all that you do for our patients. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare.